0: Marketing wizards found them.
1: Software engineers found that project manager I could never seem to hire,
0: and found LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, eighty-six percent of small businesses get a qualified candidate within twenty-four hours. Post your first job for free and get started at LinkedIn.com/spoken. That's LinkedIn.com/spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. No guest this week, but that just means I have a little more time with my co-host. She is a master of food, wine and good times, as well as a licensed esthetician. We follow her on Instagram at Swanky Maven. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey,
0: hey, hey, hey. I am doing a lovely. How are you today, Eric?
1: I'm doing very well. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week.
0: Okay. Topic Got a number lot of good stuff. one.
1: Yes, we do. We have a lot of good stuff. Um, but let's start with topic number one. Big news from the Four Seasons Houston. They are replacing Quattro, their Italian restaurant, with Toro Toro, a Pan-Latin steakhouse from Chef Richard Sandoval. Four Seasons regulars may, may recognize that name because Chef Richard is also the culinary mind behind Bayou and Bottle, uh, the very stylish, very whiskey-obsessed lobby bar at the Four Seasons. Felice, before we dive into Toro Toro, let me just ask you, are you going to miss Quattro? Uh,
0: let's say this: If you were going to, they were replacing Bay- uh, Bayou and Bottle. I would be sad. Quattro not so much. That's the you know I'm going to be real, I'm going to be nice today. Start out nice and maybe progress another way. But that's my answer and I'm sticking to it right there.
1: Well, let me just say I <laughs> I mean, I have a couple of fond memories of Quattro from the time when Maurizio Ferrarese was the chef there.
0: So that wasn't the question though.
1: I took a I cooking class with, with him once. <laughs> I remember that very decadent brunch that Quattro used to do. Uh, But I think it's fair to say that the perception of that restaurant had changed since Boriccio left, which I think was in either 2017 or 18. So it's been a little bit.
0: I think it was probably the pandemic has me like blanking on a year, right? Like I've lost a year. I think it was 2017 though.
1: Right. Because then he did a year at, Sudataya, which is now Roma, and now he's at um, he's at the hotel uh, restaurant Cavour mm-hmm. in the Hotel Grand Duca in Uptown Park. So, you know, I think I think he made Quattro compelling, and after he departed, it kind of fell off my radar.
0: Correct, mine too. That, that's why I was being funny, but mine too. I used to go to brunch when he was there. Right, they had to your point, epic brunches. Like when he left, it kind of was it still had the same name, but the restaurant really wasn't the same.
1: Right. And when I talked to Chef Richard about this last week, uh, one of the things he said was when he met with ownership, they wanted a more, his word was relevant concept that suited kind of, you know, because they've renovated that hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, the lobby's all new. Obviously, Bayou and Bottle opened in 2017. The rooms have been redone. They redid the ballroom. You know, it's basically like from the wall, inside the walls, it's basically a whole new hotel. Right. And they wanted a steakhouse or a a restaurant anyway that sort of captured that new atmosphere of the Four Seasons, which is how they got to Toro Toro.
0: So I will say this. um, They should have, and people do things all the time. Like they change things that if it ain't broke, don't fix it cuz just because you update the rest the the hotel i can see refreshing the restaurant maybe refreshing the menu slightly but no one no, since they've changed it i honestly can say i haven't heard people talk about the restaurant right like you know there was some fanfare around the new um hotel and the restaurant and checking out all the different spaces and it, it, it was some buzz around it because Four Seasons is a kind of a, it's a fun spot to be in. So I like a lot of the things that they did, but making the change to that wasn't really one of them. I, I really had no reason to go. So they did make it compelling. Um, when I went, I went to the new restaurant. Like, <laughs> that was, I went, you know, had some drinks, had a couple of bites, and then I was out. That, that, was, that, that was the restaurant for the new space. So I think like if you would have kind of left it classic, people are like um, very nostalgic, like, oh, this feels like a new space. I can still get the things that make me feel good. And I like that's what I would have done. But I think, you know, they didn't do that. They're, cor- they're They noticed that that did not work. And they're they're doing they're correcting it now. So.
1: Right. So then the question then is, you know, having read a little bit about Toro Toro. Right, a pan Latin steakhouse that's sort of modeled on the idea of a churrascaria, you know, a Brazilian style steakhouse with the, the wood grilled Rodizio meats and the picanha, but, but that sort of does away with, you know, the red and green uh, circles, you know, the all you, you know, and the, it replaces the salad bar with sort of composed entrees that are made fresh to order, or sorry composed appetizers, shareable plates that are sort of made fresh to order. You know, you can still get picanha, you can still get grilled lamb, you can still get steaks, but it's not a classic steakhouse. You're not going to get a wedge salad from cocktail cream, spinach. And and frankly, I mean, Houston has a lot of those classic steakhouses and a very good one about a block from the Four Seasons and Pappas Brothers. So the idea that this is going to be a different kind of steakhouse is appealing to me.
0: Oh me too. Me me too. And to your point like you said they're doing the traditional Brazilian type steakhouse, they're doing a they're doing a little bit different. So, I, that that's exciting. I I want to see what they're going to do. I'll definitely try it cuz I love steaks. Um I love um going to a Brazilian steakhouse. So, I'm very definitely intrigued.
1: Yeah, no. I I think I am too and the renderings look beautiful. You know, the whole hotel that renovation really looks great. And I, I do think, you know, we've been talking about this on the show for a few weeks now, all of these kind of signs that downtown dining, which took a real nosedive over the last year is coming back. And I, I think that that alone is exciting to me. And, you know, certainly the four seasons is, uh, you know, it's a staycation destination. It's, it's a place where it can be kind of a CNBC spot. And like you, I really like Bayou and Bottle even though I don't get there very often, just because it's so sort of posh and luxurious and it has that great whiskey selection. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you pay, you pay full price for all of those pours, right? There's no deals on that whiskey list, but, (laughs) but the glassware is great and it's a beautiful room and the bartenders are always good. And so I, I like all of those things about it, you know, as like the, on a date night, right. It's like either a starting or a finishing point for a date when you're dressed up.
0: Right. Yeah. It's the sexy spot, you know, it's not like um, you're in Houston, but just the whole feel. I love the four seasons. Like I love that feel. It's, it kind of makes me feel like um, the last time I was there, cause there was so much going on, like being in Miami, you know, like it's like um, one of their hot hotels with a hot bar and it was pretty people and hustle and bustle. So yeah, that, that's, that's what i get from buy you and bottles. so i'm i would love to go to this space, like start out there, then end up at the steakhouse and you know have a have a good night. so
1: absolutely. all right. let's move on to topic number 2. chef david cordua announced that his new project will be called the limbar, a kind of bar forward restaurant concept. it is opening at the ion which is the innovation focused Mixed-use development in the former Sears in Midtown. The menu will blend both Latin and Mediterranean flavors uh, with some decor elements that sort of channel 90s nostalgia because it's inspired to a certain extent by kind of the David's childhood growing up in the, uh, in the Bel Air area, kind of a diverse section of Houston. Um, and also, of course, the food that he and his father, Michael, Served for many years at both Churrasco's, easy for me to say,
0: and America's.
1: <laughs> so, Felice, I know that's that's kind of a long wind-up. I say all that to say to you, you're a David Cordua fan. What do you think of this as his post-Churrasco's, post-America's first project out of the gate?
0: I am a super fan. So, let me yeah, let me start by saying that that has nothing to do with my Feelings for, I'm a super fan of him as a person and as a chef. And actually, I think they kind of go together because usually people that have that good juju and they're chefs, their food just tastes better. They put that juju into their food. And it's so funny. One thing I can say about David like, whenever there is, you know, when y'all have events or there's cool chef driven events and there's any kind of contest element into it you know I'm like David applies pressure all day every day he usually wins because he's so he's so creative he's so competitive and what he does in the kitchen is just magic so I am so excited about this new restaurant I miss America's um when um the Cardua's David and his dad were not a part of that concept anymore and it just wasn't the same so I can't wait you know one of those things where you hear people say I can't wait to see what he does next I can't wait for this restaurant to open like I got such a when your article came out I had such a big smile on my face because I'm like what is he gonna do like is it gonna be all new spins on the dishes or I I, I just, my mind started going all these different directions. Like how, where's he going to take it? So I'm super, I'm, I'm pumped.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think it's a very intriguing new concept and I like that. I like that he's at the ION. It's a really interesting property. They had a little media preview last week, you know, that whatever that Sears looked like in the before times has been completely renovated. It's got co-working space, it's got offices, it's got research facilities, but the first floor is where the restaurants are. And David will have his concept. And then Chef Don Burrell and Chris Williams have teamed up to open uh, late August, which will be her, what they describe as uh, Afro-Asian cuisine restaurant. Also downstairs will be a coffee shop and, and, you know, kind of grab and go from Common Bond there. And so I it's going to be a destination, you know, even if you're not part of kind of the innovation community, even if you're not entrepreneurial, those two restaurants late August and the Limbar will be a destination, I think. And there's so much happening in Midtown and the third ward right now that I really think, uh, this will be an exciting kind of new project. And, uh, you know, we'll see like how the, you know, the combination of Latin and Mediterranean flavors play out, but whatever David does, I'm definitely going to be there.
0: Yeah. I can't, I was jealous when you told me you got to sneak peek, you know, went to the media event and sneak peek the space because I'm excited about that space. I just, I always, it's, I love that space where they're located because they're kind of where, as you say, midtown, like downtown, midtown, third ward, all that meet everything meets and that's just all this action going on in that area right now. So,
1: yeah. And it's right down the the red line from the medical center too. I mean, you know, there's that big Metro rail stop right there. And so that's kind of the hub. I mean, the space, what's interesting about the space right now, it's a big empty concrete box basically, but got really high ceilings. It'll have big windows. It'll have a patio. It's got good bones is basically what I'm telling you. And then we'll see kind of how they develop it. But the, they're working with gin design group on the interior and, you know, gin did Eunice, which is one of the most beautiful restaurants in Houston, in my opinion, she did Axel rad, she's done all kinds of stuff. So it's going to look great. You know, you can feel confident about that. And then, how you know the execution of the food and the drinks and all that will be really interesting
0: i'm ready i'm ready so we can add it to our list of places that we're going i'm putting my plug in right now um <clears throat> that's where we'll be going i will be the co-host that's going with you. <laughs> yeah
1: so yeah, just put
0: I, my plug in now
1: you could put your you can put your request in now yeah you can be the <laughs> other co-host. Uh, And, and for what it's worth, I'm sure I will have David on at some point between now and the opening to talk about this and kind of what he's been doing post Churrasco's post America's well, you know, we've got a lot to discuss with him, but, uh, let us move on to topic number three, the roastery, a coffee shop and cafe founded by four New York chefs that was located in four HEBs has closed those locations, uh, Felice, I don't want to dwell on this too much but we did cover the roastery when it opened I had the kind of the organizing chef Jason Gia Grande on the show you know this was a, a concept that seemed really appealing right that you could get like pretty good food and good coffee and good pastries while you shop you know I they didn't really explain why they were closing they just said they were closing I wonder if some of the trend of you know, that you don't linger in the grocery store, right? You're masked up, you go in, you get it or your curbside or your delivery. I wonder if that's what really kind of submarine this idea because all of a sudden grocery stores went from being a place where you could kind of linger and, and taste bites and, and have, you know, not, maybe not make an evening out of it, but, but that it could be kind of a destination in a more of a utilitarian experience.
0: Yeah, I think um, a couple of things that I think about that. Um, well, let me stay with what you're talking about. I think that completely tanked their business because even in um, my HEBs that I, I've never, those aren't my HEBs. Um, the Bunker Hill location had, um, I'll use that one because that's like the one that's the busiest HEB in Houston. That location, and they had like a little restaurant area and stuff that if once the pandemic started, like all that was closed, like you couldn't to your point, you couldn't even get coffee or whatever. That was just closed down. So I wonder how long those space destinations, like when were they able to, because they were kind of res- their restaurants, when were they able to open back up and and um, serve and do all of that? Like, were they shut down completely because of the pandemic? You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know that, but I even if they were, let's just say for argument's sake, they were able to come, go back up and functioning when restaurants were able to have people like at 25, 50%, I still think that would have affected their business. Another thing that I I think when they were opening up, I always thought that they picked the wrong locations. Like the first location, I thought they should have spread where they were. Like um, the first location fine. They should have targeted certain HEBs. Like I go to HEBs all over the, it should have been some in the burbs or some of the busier locations. Like that Bunker Hill location, I thought it was crazy for them not to be in that location. Or um, one of the ones, the crazy busy ones um, in the woodland. So that's what I think. I think a combination of, of things happened to them.
1: No, I think I think that's a that's a really interesting observation, right? They installed them in new HEBs as they opened. So they started in Bel Air, they were in the Heights, they did the flagship in the restaurant space at the San Felipe location. It's kind of on the border of Tanglewood and Briar Grove, and then they opened on Washington Avenue across from Truth, and they didn't really grow it to the existing locations. And the the thing that sort of strikes me is that they they opened in for the most part, neighborhoods with a lot of really good coffee shops. And so it wasn't a destination on its own, maybe in the way that they intended it to be right. You, you weren't going there just to go to the roastery. You would only maybe get coffee there or or a pastry or a sandwich. If you were already shopping at H-E-B. Correct. And then once that, once like just going to shop became problematic for people, uh, you know, I think the business model probably wasn't what they expected it was going to be.
0: Right. And even so, that's what I said, even take the pandemic out. I just was thinking like, this is not very, what are they doing? Like the San Felipe location was the only one that made sense to me. And it made sense because of how busy they are. And people go to that particular location for that reason. Like, um, for they dine there, they do all these different things. Cause before they went into that location, there was a restaurant. There was different things, right? Like they were that was a kind of a um uh test H E B or whatever you want to call it. Like they had um, different restaurant concepts and things that the other HEBs didn't have yet. So they made that made sense for them to go into. So I just think uh whoever again, they aren't from here. So whoever they were consulting with, if anyone, um, that's why sometimes you can't take concepts from a, a East Coast concept and bring it to Texas and try to bottle it up and fit it in because it works somewhere else. You got to have um, local experts or someone on your team that knows the demographics and knows the business um, of where you're going to be, Cause to your point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, everywhere, there's major coffee shops <laughs> everywhere you're located that already have fans. So am I going to try to park, deal with grocery sh- store shoppers to get there or even deal with the drama when I could just go to my favorite coffee shop and not have to deal with any of that?
1: Right, right. So. I think that, I think that's really it. All right, uh, let us move on to topic number I I added a topic number four on you. That was sneaky of me.
0: As oh, we were, look at you! Look as at we were you. thinking
1: about this, well, and but I do think it's worth noting because Pappas Restaurants announced that they are bringing back Yaya Mary's uh, with a new name and a new location. So it's going to be Yaya Pappas in the old Papado location on Richmond Avenue, just east of Kirby, right next to the little Papacito's. Uh, Felice, I, I will say, this has been a very popular article on Culture Map. Mm-hmm. I was not aware that Yaya Mary's had so many fans, but people seem really excited about this restaurant reopening. And so I put it to you. Are you really? one of those you're people? You're
0: shocked? Well, wait, you're really shocked? You're I'm really shocked, shocked that they have so many fans? But,
1: well, it's just I, our friend Nathan Ketchum, who was a podcast co-host, When we first started this show, and and isn't anymore, uh, his choice is a huge Yaya Mary's fan, and so I would eat there with Nathan on a semi-regular basis. It was never that crowded, right? Like it it was fine, but by you know by Papado standards, by Papacito standards,
0: oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, okay, not that busy. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that there's all this enthusiasm about the Greek restaurant reopening, because it didn't seem like, you maybe don't know what you got till it's gone.
0: Exactly, right? I was just gonna say, it's nostalgia. It's people um, like, what? This is a part of my childhood, my college life, or oh, whatever, you know, it's served a purpose. Kind of like what I was talking about before, there are restaurants that people are just gonna go to, that they love, um, the food can be good to mediocre, back to good to, and the service people are still going to support it. So I think people are excited because it, again, to your point, okay, it's gone. We get a chance to have it back. I don't know if I love that. They're going to change the name. You know, I think, Ooh, like, well, I, I think,
1: it ties it into the rest of the branding, right? I get like it.
0: The- no, I totally get it. I do. I get it. And, and it makes sense. I was just going to say, I get why they're changing the name so people can know that because a lot of people did never knew that that was a part of the concept so to your point where you never saw the Papa, the, Papa those crowds and all that but changing the name short of people like people who aren't doing research like they may have not read culture map i don't know these people eric i don't know the people that don't read culture map but let's just say there's some of them out there right they sure. haven't read culture map they, they're not going to research and figure out. They're going to be like, oh, there used to be another like Yaya, um, Yaya type restaurant. This one is, oh, I guess this family, they've opened, Papado's group has opened up a restaurant by this name. Maybe I'll give it a try. Maybe I won't. But, you know, I think that, so. That that's my whole thing. Like, uh, I wish they would keep the name and kind of maybe try to brand it some kind of way. But I totally get it. But to your original, um, I said all that to get back to your original. I am super excited. I'm a fan. Um, I didn't go that much uh, in recent years, but I definitely will be one of those people that go back and make sure I support it so I can be around. Um, and I used to love going. Like I love going with my friends and meeting is very nostalgic to me.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to have those lamb chops back in my life uh, that beef souvlaki, the baklava, some of the other dishes. It was a wonderful option for Houston Restaurant Weeks because you always got like a a huge pile of food and they were always at that more Mm -hmm. affordable $35 price point. Mm -hmm. So just as an HRW destination, uh, of course, Pappas doesn't do anything fast. So this is an opening for like a year, but it's it's a pretty major announcement and it's been a very popular article. So I felt like we needed to cover it. Anything else on Yaya Mary's?
0: No, I'm happy that they're back.
1: Yay. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Felice, for our restaurants of the week, I want to start by talking to you about Acme Oyster Company. This is the New Orleans-based restaurant that opened recently in Montrose, in the former El Real space on Westheimer, right across from Georgia James and Hay Merchant. Usually when I talk about a restaurant, I say we were invited by the restaurant, I was recognized, we got special treatment. I think this is one of those very rare inner loop dining experiences where none of that happened. Nope. Uh, we did not have a reservation. We, we walked in kind of at the tail end of their busy part of their lunch rush. Uh, we paid for everything we ordered. We got perfectly fine service, but nothing that I would categorize as unusual or effusive. Uh, I, I, had, I got treated like normal people. It almost never happens, but I, so I'm almost bragging about it.
0: It's great. Yeah, so why don't, when you talk about it, let's talk about the good, the not so good, and then will we go back or recommend it?
1: That's the plan. So talk okay, to me so, about the good. What did you <laughs> what did you really like at Acme Oyster Company?
0: So um I really enjoyed the I, I enjoyed the gumbos. And that's a big deal. I, I'm not gonna say I love the gumbos. I enjoyed the gumbos because whenever I go to the New Orleans location, I never get the gumbo because it's just been bland. So I was like, well, let me try the gumbo because it's been years and years and years since I've had their gumbo. And, you know, I thought um, it was pretty good, good gum. You're in a, you have the taste for gumbo. It's a good gumbo soup. That's, that's what I'll say.
1: Right. As one of our other friends said, it's better than fine. It's good. It's, it's not, it's not life-changing gumbo it's not on the level of like Mark Holly's gumbo or, or maybe Danton's gumbo, but it's a, I mean, I had the uh, seafood gumbo. I thought it had, mm-hmm. you know, a nice like seafood flavor in the stock. I thought yes. the, the shellfish in it, the shrimp was nice and the crab was nicely cooked. I would eat that gumbo again. Happily.
0: Yes. If so yeah, I, to your point. And if someone said, Oh my gosh, Felice, tell me where I can go get good gumbo. If I would recommend it. Cause, right but if um if they were like i'm like well
1: but if somebody was, was like he, i'm going to acme what did you think of the gumbo
0: yes i would say order it yeah i would right. say um i like the seafood gumbo a little bit more than the chi- and i would tell them why but i'm like i had both and i enjoyed both so yes i would say yes go ahead and get the gumbo and then you tell me what you think um i thought the charbro oysters which that's one of my um, favorites there. That's what I get whenever I go to the New Orleans location. I thought here was better. They knocked it out of the park. Like they were.
1: uh, First of all, they were absolutely enormous. (laughs) I mean, the the size of the oysters was absolutely huge. Yes. They were flavorful. They were properly cooked. I mean, they were like, those are destination worthy. Like if you love roasted oysters, go to Acme and get the roasted oysters for sure.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I only say, I was like thinking, oh, I use the, the ones that I eat that I think are on that level have used a little, have a little bit more garlic in them. But again, that's a preference. So would I pick, pick one over the other, I would eat either one, right? Like it's just kind of a burger, like a burger. I'll go here for this kind of burger, here for this kind of burger, but it, the, it they were hidden. I enjoyed that, um, and um,
1: and you got a po' boy.
0: You got a. I did the a piece Their version of a peacemaker,
1: right? What did you think of the Acme Oyster Company po' boy? Because they're getting yes. the bread locally from Breadman Baking Company.
0: Yeah, I, I was happy with it. I was pleased. I thought I thought it was um, a decent um, po' boy. I would. I had no complaints. None at all. And then I kind of their peacemaker. They do that. Um, they do a spicy mayo. You can get you can get the spicy mayo on it. And um, before I got it, <laughs> Eric, y'all, you remember you laughed at me. I said, can you bring the spicy mayo? Because if I was gonna do it something different, I wanted to make sure the spicy mayo was worth me adding it to it. And I thought it gave it a nice little kick. They do it. They they did a nice job. So I was pleased with my bow boy. Very happy.
1: Right. And then I got an oversized fried seafood platter. They call the <laughs> captain's platter. It's designed, it's designed for two. It could easily feed four. Yeah. uh, with, uh, fried oysters, fried shrimp, fried fish, uh, fried soft shell crab. I, I thought it was all pretty good. You know, my, my one thought was that maybe the, all of it was maybe just a little bit under seasoned, uh, but it was cooked nicely. It was crispy. You know, I've, I probably wouldn't order it again. I'd probably try a po' boy. I'd probably try something else. Um, Also just because it was such an overwhelming amount of food. It's, it's way more than two people need to eat. We didn't get close to finishing it. So I would, (laughs) I would probably want to explore like some other aspect of the menu. I will say the only dish that really missed for me were those bang, bang shrimp, the fried shrimp with the sauce, just because I feel like there's better versions of that dish other places. It wasn't super crispy. It, like was it was pretty mild. It didn't. There wasn't a lot of bang in the bang bang.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. It, it it reminded me of soggy. Sh- it it reminded me of soggy shrimp. Right, like like as if someone put some sauce on some shrimp and let it sit, and it just was. It wasn't right. It didn't seem intentional. Like bang bang shrimp are intentional and are intentional. They weren't. <laughs> they were. I'm like. Mm. Yeah, these aren't—they right, they weren't right. crispy enough from the start. So right, that's of one of
1: those. Tasty. That's yeah. one of those Nobu dishes that's kind of taken over the world, and so it's <laughs> right. it's on every menu of every seafood restaurant. This is just not a good enough, not a good enough version relative to other places I've had. Right. and the the one other thing we should probably talk about is we went at 1.30 on a Friday, and found the place still completely packed, full parking lot full dining room, and it emptied out by 2, 2.30, plenty of parking, plenty of room in the dining room. But it has been an absolute monster since it opened, almost to the point where I feel bad for the Malisechuan people who are right next door to them. And all of a sudden, their customers don't have any parking anymore. And I don't, I don't really know what the solution is. Maybe it's a valet. I know you're not a valet person, but like something to kind of mitigate that that parking lot and kind of help out. Cause it was, you know, we're parking on the street. We're parking right a block away. I mean, it was hectic. And yeah. And yeah. I only say that because I know, I know everybody always wants to know about parking and people like valet or they don't like valet, whatever, but there's no valet. It's, it's everyone for him or herself. And I wound up parking on Commonwealth, like on the street. Uh, but that's tricky, and so I just be prepared. The parking Especially is a nightmare.
0: If, if you yeah. want to
1: go, if you want to go at a peak time, you may want to Uber, because otherwise, yeah, the parking
0: is a nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare. No, I think you're understating. You know me, it is a nightmare. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I do not like the valet park, and I feel that they they need valet parking. I wouldn't valet, even though. But I'm just saying, as a restaurant. Because that parking was such a nightmare, there were four cars driving around. In addition to me, Eric had called and said I may be late because there was a wreck. And I said, take your time. I've literally looped around. At this point, I probably have looped around for about five minutes and doing kind of what Eric was talking about. We're all trying to wait for someone to come out. So at that time, it's kind of like waiting for a table. You know, you're waiting for that rush of people to come out um, and so you can park. No, had I not been meeting people, I would have been like, I'm out because I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not doing it. So I, after I looped around, I went looking for street parking, no street parking. I end up parking on Yokum. <laughs> so if, if you know where that's located, um, that's a good little hike back to the restaurant. And thank goodness Friday was a beautiful day, but it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would Uber. I would park somewhere else and Uber or come, but I live in the Burbs. So I wasn't Ubering just to go there. Right. Um, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, you know, meeting friends for lunch. Yeah. And to your point, like Mala, man, I feel bad for them because <laughs> if you're going there, you're frustrated because you can't get in Because of and if you're going to ask me, you're frustrated, like you're frustrated by the time you get into the restaurant. And that's never that's what I tell people. I hate being irritated by like a parking experience or something before I even get into the restaurant. So I'm starting my my dinner or my whatever annoyed. And usually when I get in, Eric has seen it before. I'm like, I just need a drink. I need need a shot or something. Yeah, That's what the hurricanes are for. (laughs) (laughs) To calm my nerves, to bring me back to calm. So I can enjoy my um, experience. So I just think, yeah, that's, they got to fix that. They got to.
1: Any other thoughts on Acme before we move on?
0: Um, so people ask me, so is it all of that? I think it's good.
1: Well, let me, let me, let me ask you the more pointed version of that question. Would you go to Acme Oyster Company or would you go back to Acadian Coast, which is a restaurant that we went to? Uh, a couple of months ago, and we talked about on a previous episode of the show
0: Arcadian coast hands down
1: yeah i think I, I think I'm with you and I say that, having gone back there recently, and chef Kenneth Hamilton is now in the kitchen and and he's the guy whose career I've followed for a while and it's not that i it's not that i didn't like acme oyster it was actually it was better than I expected because it has i mean it has a reputation of being a little bit of a tourist trap. And I and I think it's better than that. I think it's like I think those roasted oysters were legit good. I like the gumbo. And I would get a po boy instead of a fried seafood platter. And I think that'd be a very satisfying meal, lunch or dinner. But I can also get all of those things at Acadian Coast in a better parking environment with a, a young chef that is talented, you know, on that beautiful patio, and feel like maybe that's a better experience.
0: Right. You hit you That. That. Ditto, ditto, and
1: ditto. Yeah. All right. The other restaurant I want to talk to you about is Mad. It was your first visit to uh, the restaurant in River Oaks District. This is kind of the the kind of wild and crazy, uh, more energetic restaurant. Uh, Same chef, same owner, very different environment. Felice, it was your first visit. It was to my Mad. first
0: dining. Yes, it was my first time dining. I had gone there to the bar and because you know it was impossible getting reservations. And so <laughs> what a perfect time to go. You know, it's a pop up, it's uh Death Company's pop up, which is one of my favorites, you know. So I was extremely impressed by everything. Of course the drinks. I thought it was just gonna be there for drinks and a couple of bites. And we ended up just doing a tour of the menu. Uh I wanted to cry. <laughs> I wanted to cry because I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been a whiny baby and should have wrote it out and stuck with trying to get reservations. Um because the food was amazing. Like I didn't have anything that was not Good. I mean, it was so, and I think we talked about this everything, you know, it's a traditional tapas kind of style, but it was simple foods executed to perfection. And that's really what I want. Like, I want, in addition to the experience, I don't want to talk too much about the experience because, you know, they knew who Eric was and we were there and all that. So I'll push the experience to the side, but I watched them interacting with other people. And I think that our experience was equal to their experience. I don't think that we had an over the top experience, but the food, they, I I ranked them up there. I said, Eric, I looked over, I said, they're up there with my favorites. I'm like, I, I want to cry. They, they, I get it. I get why people lose their mind over this place because it's Right.
1: Right. So full disclosure, they were, as you said, they were having the death and company cocktail pop up with uh, a bartender from Los Angeles, a bartender from New York. I was invited by Remington Bruce, who's their director of operations because it, you know, I hadn't been to Madden in over a year and it was a good excuse to kind of go back and hang out and eat some of the food and see the space. And they've got, they've got big plans. They're going to put in a new patio. They're going to make some, changes to the interior. So they've got, to, that's going to kind of expand uh mad seating capacity. Still, still a very dynamic restaurant, still a very exciting place to be. Don't worry the the bathroom, the crazy bathroom hallway is not changing, but <laughs> um, it was a good opportunity to check in and have a paella, have that grilled octopus, have, you know, the uh, croquettes, the, you know, the ham croquettes and, and some of the other dishes, the tartar. Uh, oh yeah. The beef tartare with the fake. That newspaper. amazing
0: tartar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Really vibrant with the mustard and the Worcestershire sauce, really bright and acidic. Um, still very beefy obviously, but yeah, it, it was a really good meal. The death and company cocktails were fantastic. And you know, i I like as much as I sort of respect what BCN does, I think Matt is kind of more my style. Cause it's a little younger, a little more energetic. Um, still expensive, but, um, an exciting place to dine and, and a place that, you know, I had, I had maybe overlooked and and needed to be reminded of, of what they do and and how well they do it.
0: And also I want to add, um, that the whole pop-up, what they're doing with that pop-up and these, uh, if you, if you're a cocktail person, um, person that loves, um, spirits, you'll be excited. So, you' you're, you have the opportunity to experience mad kind of without reservations when they do these pop ups. They're gonna start doing these um, pop ups with different um, guests, bars, and not just like any bars like you know again they had death Co death and Co start their their the series. Um, they're gonna try it like maybe monthly every other month they're kind of working on that and you're able you're able to go. Um, do the pop-up, and then enjoy a menu that complements the, you know, the cocktails. So I think it's, it's a great experience and a great deal. Um, and I know people are always looking for something great to do. So definitely be on the lookout for that because that's, that's just a wonderful experience.
1: Absolutely. All right, Felice, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Eric. A great week of food and cocktails. And I look forward to playing with you again soon.
1: Absolutely. All right. And that does it for our show this week. As I said at the top, uh, no interview. I will get back up to speed next week. I'll have another guest. Uh, In the meantime, thank you for listening. This is your periodic reminder. You can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I welcome your comments, your feedback. You can always email me, eric, E-R-I-C at culturemap.com with any questions. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.